Kia ora and welcome to Business Your Way, a podcast where I take you behind the scenes and look at the strategies, systems and support needed to grow and scale an online service business. One that not only supports you and your family financially, but one that gives you the freedom to live the life of your dreams. I'm taking the many lessons learnt over the last two decades of running my own business and working with hundreds of clients to bring you What's Working Now conversations. I'm pulling back the curtain to bring you real stories from real people, including myself. We're going to talk about everything from how to get clarity on your vision, creating systems so you can automate and delegate, how to hire a kick-ass team that creates raving, returning and referring clients. We're even going to talk about how to kick those limiting beliefs to the curb so that you can flourish in your business. I'm your host, Sandra Julian, an Indigenous mama of three, fashion-loving sewist and business strategist. Each week, I want to help you dream big, plan well, and do the work to grow and scale your business your way. Kia ora and welcome to episode 84 of Business Your Way. This week on the podcast, I want to talk about proposal hunting. And what I mean by this is that if you're always looking for new people who are seeking proposals from businesses like yours, and you're always looking for the next opportunity to get a proposal in front of somebody, this is what I call proposal hunting. We're not necessarily looking for an ideal client, we're just looking to get a proposal in front of somebody who might say yes to our business. And this isn't uncommon if you're a service provider. Because as service providers, we are the technicians. We are usually the people who are good at doing things. So if you're a website designer, you are great at designing websites and doing that work. Same if you are a a bookkeeper or accountant, you are good with the money. So that's what you do. Or even if you're a social media manager, you are good at managing social media. And that is doing the actual work, which was what I call being the technician. And usually what I find is when I talk to people in my network, I'm always fascinated about how they started their business. So I always ask, well, how did you get into business? And I would say 99% of the time, people are saying to me, oh, like this is what I was doing before. And I you know, and then I had other people in my life start to ask me if I can help them. So then I decided to go out on my own and start my own business, helping, you know, more people get their websites up and running or help more people manage their money or whatever that reason was that they left their job and started their business. It was usually because they were good at something. So for instance, in my network of other professional conference organizers, the story of how we got into business is almost identical. It is because we helped somebody with their first event and we loved it so much 
that then somebody else asked us if we could help them with their event and we said yes we could and then one client led to another client led to another client and then before we knew it we are in business and so that is a very common story amongst conference organizers. So it's really understandable that we're not that good at marketing and selling our services because this isn't our strong point. Our strong point is being the technician, doing the thing that we are good at, which is why we started our business. But then we get into business and we need to think about all things business. But when it comes to marketing and selling our services, it's such a foreign concept to us because we didn't start our business by going and asking people to come work with us. We started our business because people asked us if we could help them. But at some point in your business, you start to think about how can I do this full time and employ someone to help me? How can I now, you know, keep this team of two or three people that I've now got on board? I've grown my business this big with word of mouth, with people asking me to help them, they've come to me. Now I've got this team. So now I've got overheads and expenses that I have to pay. So I actually need to go looking for more clients to fill the calendar to keep everyone employed. So business becomes this vicious cycle of needing to go and look for more business. But this marketing and selling piece isn't the strong point for most service providers because we are the technician. So the first thing that we seem to do with well, what I see other service providers doing is that they go looking for places where they can give people a proposal. So we're looking for opportunities. We're, we're keeping our eye to the ground on requests for proposals. They're called RFPs. So when we see an RFP come out, then we are putting a proposal in front of that person. At networking functions, the conversation is all around, gosh, can I send you a proposal and see what you think about working together? So we're looking for all of these places to dish out our proposals. And then at some point, that gets really tiring. So then we have to sit down and think about what are we doing about our marketing and our selling. And if this is something that you don't want to do in your business and it's not your strong point, you don't want to give it any time, you could hire it out to somebody else. You could get a contractor in to do that work. You could hire someone to do it. But how do you know that they're doing a good job or not? How can you give them any guidance around what your expectations are? How would you like your marketing to be? What your sales processes, if they bring new people through the door. And again, I've tried to do that. I've tried to hire my sales out. And it was a disaster every time. Because my business was built around me, my values, and all of the work that we were getting was because of me. But I didn't really want that to be the case. I wanted to begin to grow my business beyond me. And at some point, I would say most service providers get to that point. And so when you get to that point, you really have to stop and think like, do I want to do this? 
because you really have a couple of options in my you know humble opinion is that you can keep your business the same as what it is so you could reduce your business down to maybe yourself plus one other or maybe plus two others and you can just rely on referrals and you can start asking clients for referrals and that will keep you busy just a referral business alone will keep that small business of maybe one to two people really busy and you've got no problems, you don't have to go proposal hunting. The other option is that you can actually spend some time getting really clear on the areas of your business that will make it easy for you to attract the right people rather than you continuously hunting for those opportunities to submit a proposal and then you are hoping for your best. And what I know happens when you actually just get really clear on how you are attracting the right client, you can stop proposal hunting. And again, I'm sharing this with you from personal experience because, you know, being in business for 20 years, I've done a whole range of different things at different times of where I was at in my business. You know, at one point I had two office locations and 12 staff members. So I felt like my business was just this hungry beast. So that's when I thought it would be a good idea to hire a salesperson. My only downfall was that I didn't have a sales process. I didn't have a marketing strategy for my business. So when I got the salesperson in, they were a bit lost. And so again, they were just going out to market looking you know, what I call proposal hunting. They were going out to the market, proposal hunting. They were looking at opportunities to put a proposal in front of somebody because we didn't have a clear marketing strategy or a sales process. So I'm sharing this with you because I want service providers to know that Marketing and sales doesn't have to be hard, it doesn't have to be icky, and it doesn't have to be a situation where you are constantly proposal hunting. But the question is, where do you start? Where do you start with your marketing and sales and really getting an understanding of this for yourself as the business owner? Well, that, my friend, is what we're going to cover off today in this episode. I'm going to cover off the four key areas that every service business needs to get clarity on. And this clarity that you get when you actually dive into each of these four areas that I'm going to talk about in a minute, when you dive into each of those and really understand where your business sits in each of these areas, it changes the way that you operate your business and how you attract clients to your business. You become a magnet for attracting the business as opposed to you having to go out and proposal hunt. So if you're ready, let's dive into these four areas. So the first area that you need to really get some clarity on is your market. And this might sound really basic, but it is an area where it trips up most service providers. 
Because again, when we started our business, we started our business because someone asked for our help. So we never needed to clarify our marketplace. We were just helping those people that came and asked for our help. So usually we've never done any marketing or I won't say never, we've probably done maybe a magazine ad or uh, maybe we've done some Google ads or maybe we've done some Facebook ads, but they've never been a real success because we haven't clarified the market that we are serving. So this is really crucial. You need to look at a market that is in need of the services you offer. And again, that market might be really big, but that's the first thing to clarify is what market is in need of the services I specifically offer? So you might be a website designer. Let's choose that as an example. Are you a website designer for accountants? Are you a website designer for engineers? Are you a website designer for health professionals? Or are you working with the not-for-profit area? Or are you working, you know, choose the different are you working with scenario. But do you have an understanding of any particular industry, which is why you want to work with them? So you may have been a web designer for an accounting firm a really big one, so they needed their own website designer to keep their website up to date. So you have an understanding of the accounting industry, the accounting language, how accountants think, how they work. So therefore, it might feel like a natural fit to narrow your audience down to be the website designer for accountants, bookkeepers, and stick to that market because you understand how they work, how they think. You understand what needs to go on their website. You understand what that flow of what people are looking for on their website. So you need to look for a market that is in need of the services that you offer. Ideally, you will understand their pain point that you can help them with. So let's continue on with the accountants and website designers scenario. Accountants are good at numbers. They're not so good at the website design, the colors, the creative aspect. Accountants can be very like linear, you know, numbers go in columns, numbers add up to one plus one equals two. It's always a defined way of working. Website design is more creative. It's more visual. So the two complement each other really well. So the pain point for accountants is they are more... Now I get my left brain, right brain all mixed up. But let's say left brain, very analytical, very logical. Right brain, more creative. So website designers are more creative. So the accountants need someone who is more creative, who understands how it should flow, how it should look, how to put their brand into action to make it appealing. So the pain point is accountants aren't very creative. So their pain point is They don't even know where to start in designing a website because, again, they are numbers people, not words people. So they definitely have a pain point. 
You also have to choose a market that will have money. They must be able to purchase the service that you're offering. So accountants, a good example, they will have money to pay for their website to be done, to be the shop front for their business. So they have the ability to pay to have that done and that they are easy to target. That's the other thing about your market that you need to know is you know where your market hangs out. You know how to get in front of them and it's a growing market. Now you might not think an accounting or a bookkeeping market is a growing market because we only need so many people to service the businesses and if there's not more businesses coming in, why do we need more accountants type thing? But every business is growing even if it is only growing at the rate of inflation. So make sure that you're serving a market that is well established and not going anywhere or it's a growing marketplace. So you could think of the accountants, the bookkeepers, they're not going anywhere, we will always need them. Uh, An industry that maybe didn't exist 10 years ago but is more prevalent today is app developers. You know, that's a growing marketplace. Is There's new apps coming out all the time. So if you are serving that market, that's a growing marketplace. But then you've got to ask yourself, does this market have the ability to purchase the services? Do they have money? And that growing marketplace The other example I have for you is, you know, newspapers. If you've got services that you are trying to offer out to newspapers, it's a dying market. Like when was the last time that you read a newspaper that wasn't an online newspaper, right? So if you are trying to serve newspaper companies or even magazine companies, they are few and far between these days. Like everyone gets what they need online. So Think about, is your market a growing market or is it a declining market? You know, the other growing market is online education. Like, so if you want to go and serve online education providers with your service, that is definitely a growing marketplace. But the key when thinking about your market is to narrow down the market that you serve. The mistake that I see all of the time with service providers is that they are choosing a market that is way too broad. And even I've made that mistake because when I was making that mistake, I didn't understand my market. I had done no work thinking about who I was serving, where I found them, what that looked like. I had no idea. I was just saying yes to anything that came my way which is how we got to be a, what did I call it at the time, a multidisciplined event agency, which really meant that we would say yes to anything. Now that I've really understood my market and who I serve, we are a professional conference organizer doing business events only for the association and government markets. You know, so I really understand my marketplace. I understand what they need, I understand why they need it, and I'm able to communicate with them the solution that is going to solve their pain point, which is the next area that you need to dive into. I wanted to jump in here really quickly and ask you for a big favour. 
If you are loving this podcast and this episode, I would be grateful if you could share it with a friend. Or even better yet, to jump over onto Instagram and share it on your stories. Don't forget to tag me, I'm sandrajulian.co. That really is the best way for others to find out about this podcast, and I thank you in advance. Alrighty, back to the episode. So area number two is you really need to understand the problem or the challenge that your market has. So once you've chosen your market within a market, so once you've chosen your narrow market, then it's all about understanding the problem and the solution. I'm only going to talk about problem here. I'll get to solution in a little bit. But you really need to dive into and really understand the problem that your ideal client has so that you understand why they have that problem. And this requires you to really dive deep into the layers of the problem or the challenge that your ideal client has. Because sometimes the symptom and how the problem shows up is just a surface level problem and it shows up as a symptom. But it's your ability to dive under that and to peel back the layers of the onion, if you will, to really get beneath the symptom and identify the real problem. And this is this can be easily done when you have those conversations. So now I'm talking to my potential clients from the very beginning. So when they book their very first call with me to talk about how I can help them, the first thing I talk about is I try and uncover their pain point. I try and peel back the layers with my questions to really understand what is the problem or the challenge that they are facing. Is their challenge that they are lacking capacity? Is their challenge that they just don't have the expertise or the knowledge needed? Is their challenge technology? So I'm looking at what are the challenges that my potential client has and I'm asking them all the questions at that very front call before I've even started working with them because I need to understand what it is that they are struggling with. Once I understand what they're struggling with, then I can present my solution. But again, before you can present a solution, you have to then understand their desired outcome, which is area number three that I'm going to dive into with you, is that you need to understand what success looks like for your client, for that potential client of yours. So you've asked the questions to pull back the layers of what their challenge is that they're facing. Now you need to, again, pull back the layers and ask them, what does success look like for you? What is your desired outcome once we've done this work together? So you want to be able to turn their problems into a positive outcome which they desire. And you won't know the outcome they desire unless you ask. My favorite question to ask directly after I've peeled back the layers of the onion to reveal the, the problem or the real challenge at the, at the core of why they are talking with me, I then move into asking them about the success. What does success look like to you? Where is the end location that you want to end up? And 
I'm providing a service, so the the location isn't a physical location that they want to put their feet on the ground in. I'm really asking them metaphorically, where do you want to end up after we've done this work together? So I can help you overcome this challenge. I can help you fill these gaps. I can help you deliver this event that you've got this idea about. I can help you with that. But I need to know where are you going? What do you want the outcome to be? So if we are sitting here on this call six months from now and it's a week after your event, what does it feel like? What have you achieved? What are you most proud of? These are all the other questions that you need to start asking your market, your ideal client. You need to understand what does success look like for them? What is that desired feeling or that experience that they want once they've got to, you know, that place of success? And what would it mean for them if they didn't have the challenge or the problem that they're facing now? So if you can imagine these as two islands, so on the left-hand side, you've got problem island. On the right-hand side, you've got desired island. So this is where your clients are right now. They're on problem island. Where they want to be is on desired island. And your solution is what's going to get them there. So your solution is the boat or the canoe, maybe it's a helicopter even, that's going to get them from problem island to desire island. Because now you understand who the person is that's standing on problem island because you've identified your market and you've narrowed that market. So you understand these are accountants or these are lawyers or these are social media managers, whoever it is that you serve. These are business coaches. These are whoever they are on the problem island. With your service, you are going to carry them over to be where they want to be on Desire Island. So your solution, which is your service, is the missing piece between their current reality, their problem, and their desired outcome where they want to be in the future. And this highly likely falls into a few common categories, if you like. Usually it is that your client wants to increase the likelihood of them achieving their desired outcome. Now, for the people that I work with, that's usually the problem that they want help with, is that they want to increase the likelihood of them achieving that desired outcome because they've got a big dream of an event that they want to deliver on. And they really, they're not sure how they're going to do it. So they want my help with making sure that they get there. The other reason why people might reach out for help is that your service needs to decrease the amount of time that it will take them to achieve their desired outcome. So for instance, let's go back to the island example. We've got problem island on the left, desired island on the right. They already have a boat and their boat can get them from problem island to desired island, but it's going to take them three months. They are coming to you because you have a helicopter and your helicopter will take them from problem island to desired island in a number of hours. So your service, does it help your ideal client decrease the amount of time that it will take them to achieve their desired outcome? The other area that people also are seeking out, well, this is where they they want to 
reduce the amount of effort or sacrifice that they're going to have to take to achieve their desired outcome. So if they don't have to sacrifice anything or put in any more effort than they already are to get over to Desire Island, then they're going to come seek a solution to make that happen. And these four key areas, this is what I didn't understand for so long in my business. All I knew was that I was good at organizing events, large, small, the more complicated the event was, the better I was. I could, you know, if you if I got asked to turn around judging results within an hour of the last team leaving a stage, no problem, I'll just design a system to make that happen. I mean, nowadays, there's more technology at our fingertips to help us do such things in short timeframes. But back then, when I was doing that kind of event, it was all very manual. But I made a system for how I could make that happen, you know, because it challenged my brain to to find the solution and I was all about that. But I had no idea what the pain point of my ideal client was. I knew what their ideal outcome was. I knew where they wanted to be because I would always know what they were trying to deliver, what components had to go into an event in order to give them their desired result at the end. So I kind of already knew what their desire island looked like. But I always developed my solution around the punch list of things that the client would come to me with. So the client would come and say, oh, you know, these are the things that, you know, would really like your help with. And it would just be a list of things. So then I would design my solution around that punch list. And essentially, that's what would go into my proposal, right, is I would give the list of tasks that they gave me, I would put that back into a proposal, I would cost it up, and I would put it in front of them. And then sometimes I would scratch my head as to why my proposal wasn't successful. They gave me the list of what they wanted, I gave the list back to them with how much it was going to cost them, and still they didn't choose me. Because this is where I was preparing my proposal from my technician mindset. And this might be you. And I can guarantee you that at some point as a service provider, this is where you reach. This is the exact point that you get to, is that you are putting proposals in front of potential clients for the things that they want your help with, but you're still not winning the business because we're preparing proposals from a technician's mindset. Like I knew my team and I were good at what we did, and I knew that My clients loved working with us, but it was like we were the best kept secret in town. So my thought was, how do I get others to say yes to working with us? Because I know if they just said yes, then they would love it because our other clients do. We've got long-term clients because we're good at what we do, they love what we do, and we help them in so many ways. But all I was thinking was, how do I just get my proposal in front of more people? And even when I did get the proposal in front of more people, the only thing that they were making the decision about was price. And to be honest, no one wants to be in a price war. No one wants to just continue to lower their prices and lower their prices and lower their prices. So at the end of the day, all you're covering is your take-home pay. That's no business at all. That's That really is just a, a glorified job, 
we've just created a job for ourselves as a service provider instead of instead of having one boss we now have 10 bosses because they're our clients and they could say no and then that would be the end of that no more you know there's no more income so i know once you do this work this will be the game changer for how your business becomes a magnet to attract the right clients to you. You will no longer be the best kept secret in town. Now this work is not easy and it definitely takes some time. It takes time to assess, test, refine, repeat. Assess, test, refine. Assess, test, refine. Like business is just one big experiment really. But when you focus on these four key areas, the market that you serve, the problem or the challenge that they have, the desired outcome that they are looking for, and your solution will take them from problem island to desire island, now you have clarity on how you help people. And then when you put a marketing plan in place, when you decide to put a proposal together, you can start to talk to the pain points the desired outcome, and how your solution is what they need to help them to get from problem island to desire island. And when you come at your proposals with this mindset, you start to create value in your services. You are then putting a value proposition in front of people that want to work with you because you've clarified your market And you've narrowed your market so it's really clear around who you help with what problem. And when you understand this and you can talk to your market, your potential clients, they feel seen and heard because you understand their problem and not their symptom. You actually understand their deep rooted problem and how that makes them feel. So peeling back the layers of their problem and not just talking to the symptom that they're talking about, when you really get deep and you understand them, they're likely to want to work with you because you've made them feel understood. And this is the difference. This is the difference in a proposal which is a list of tasks priced with a cost. This is what it will cost you for me to help you with your problem. Versus I understand your pain point, I understand the effects this is having on your business and I understand the effects that this is having on your life. I also understand that this is where you would like to be and I would like to help you get there and this is how I can. That is a much better proposition to a potential client and at the end of the day the price will be what the price will be and that is how we can stop trading time for dollars because we really understand these four core areas and we are able to reflect that in our proposals, stand out from the crowd and start to draw people to us and we no longer need to go proposal hunting. So I really encourage you to take some time, you know, if this is new to you, if if you've not heard of these things before while you're listening to this podcast, come back rewind, get a pen and paper and just write these things down. These are the things that you really need to understand about your business 
in order to stand out from the crowd and be the magnet for the clients to come to you and for you to stop proposal hunting and feeling disappointed and discouraged about what's not happening in your business and how it's not growing or you know when someone says no to you you know it's not a no one price Uh, it could be a no for you know another reason which is all good but you've put your best foot forward because you've understood who your client is what the problem they have what their desired outcome is and your solution is tailored for them specifically. So as always, I hope this episode has given you some things that you can go away and do in your business to improve what's going on. Specifically, I hope this will help you improve your proposals and you can write a value-based proposal. If you want to get your hands on my six-part proposal framework, you can head on over to sandrajulian.co forward slash proposal blueprint. In there, you will clearly see the sections where you're identifying their pain points and you're addressing their desired outcome and you are tailoring your solution in your proposal. So your proposal is a value add proposal and it's not something that they're going to make a decision on price about. So go grab that six part proposal blueprint and this gives some focus to this in your business and I promise you it will be a game changer for how you attract clients and win more business. Before you go today, I want to thank you for being here and listening all the way to the end. All the links to this week's episode can be found in the show notes and you can read a full blog of the episode at sandrajulian.co forward slash podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, make sure you hit that subscribe button and get new episodes as soon as they're released. If you'd like to reach out to me and chat about anything on today's episode or any of the previous episodes on the podcast, then I've got a link in the show notes so you can leave me a voice message or a video message. I really do look forward to hearing from you. Alrighty, have a productive week and I will talk to you again real soon.